Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Corner to the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. You hear the sounds right there from Jason Horowitz, the play-by-play voice of the Silver and Black. And I'm I'm thinking on Sunday, he's going to be saying the same thing. Las Vegas, just win, baby. I'm assuming that he's going to call a Raiders victory. But we all know about assumptions, and we know what happens when you assume anything, especially in the NFL, especially with what we've seen so far this season. Both teams come in with issues. Got a tweet from Mike. He said, the Colts have a better defense. Raiders have a better offense. The game will be close. And again, there's so many issues and weird things going on with Indy. It's it's almost one of those where you're like, how in the world can they even put together the team, put them on the field and go out there and, and compete? But when I say that, I say that knowing damn well they're going to put a team out there, they're going to go out there and compete, and it's going to be a close one, right? I mean, I, I, I like I said earlier in the show, I did a whole damn podcast talking about there's no they have no business. And I want to emphasize that word business because sometimes, and I've said this even about my career at times, I look back and be like, man, I ain't got no business being sitting here in the Super Bowl, but here I am, right? Somehow I, I ended up being here, right? And, and it was one of a, a great accomplishment as far as I'm concerned. But I look back and I was like, I ain't got no business being here, but I'm here. They ain't got no business winning that game on Sunday. They really don't. The Raiders are in their home with plenty of skilled players, and they went into the season with high expectations, and they ain't got all that crazy off-the-field drama going on in, in as Indy does. But with that being said, they're going to find a way to rally, come to Allegiant Stadium, head to Las Vegas, and make it a competitive game. So, you know, the Raiders have got their work cut out for them, right? I mean, it's just it's as simple as that. So, uh, we'll, you know, obviously later on in the week on Friday, we'll talk about keys of the game, what the Raiders have to do. But Mike is right. The Colts have a better defense. We know that. They have a very good defense. And the Raiders have a better offense. And we know that that's true. But I'm assuming, and again, assuming is dangerous, I'm assuming that the Raiders are going to defensively at least be able to make Sam Ellinger very uncomfortable. And if he's uncomfortable and he makes a couple mistakes, the Raiders should be able to do similar to what Deron Harmon did against the Texans. Get a pick six, take it to the house, create a couple turnovers. You know what I mean? Just you have to be able to take advantage of a wounded duck. When you smell blood in the water, and look, there's going to be blood in the water when they get to the stadium. Not when the game is halfway over, but the blood will be in the, in the, in the air and in the water when they get there because they're, already, they're bleeding out right now. The Raiders have to do their job and go in and finish the job. Put their foot on their neck and finish them. Straight up. Yeah, that's what they have to do, but... Right. You know, I, I, and no, you're that, right. No, you're, you're spot on. The, the Patriots, they they won that game 26-3. to They sacked Ellinger nine times. And to me, but when you, only 26, only 26. So that means that that Colts defense held the Patriots to 26 points. And this Raiders team, we've seen that they will give you chances. You're right. You're right. That's what scares me, is that if this defense is so good, and it's like, man, but these Raiders, we've seen in this short season... They'll give you some chances to win the game. Right, exactly. Uh, Frank Frank Schwab from uh, uh, Yahoo just tweeted out, we've been in shock all week about the Colts hiring Jeff Saturday and if, and everything else that has gone on with that franchise. It's a total mess. And if the Raiders lose to the Colts on Sunday, a lot of WTF energy will turn to Las Vegas. And that's exactly in the last three or four minutes what we've been trying to say. 
That's all we've been talking about is the mess going on in Indy. And if the Raiders lose, there's going to be a ton of WTF is going on. Want to get to some sounds from uh, head coach Josh McDaniels as he met with the media earlier today, but we will take a couple quick calls before we get into it. So who do we got first, Damon? Lil Dicky. <laughs> all right, Lil Dicky, what's up, Doc? Hello, hello, Q. What's up, brother? Hey, man, why are you laughing at me? Uh, just, I mean, you know, I, it's just not too many grown-ass men named Lil Dicky, but it's cool. <laughs> oh, you ain't, you ain't met my dad. My dad's big dick. So, hey, let me tell you about this. Show. Of course he is. Let me tell you something. You know what? I called the other day. I called JT the other day, and I got a little critical of the owner. And, man, he hung up on me in a minute. I, I know that you guys, I don't know if he signed your check exactly, but... I just want to know your opinion on, I know you can't say too much, but in a ranking of owners, where, where does Mark Davis stand? I mean, you know, the, the, the story came out not too long ago that Matty Johnson wants to buy part ownership of the team. Right. And, you know, my friend, my friend related to me, how many, how many franchise Magic has been a part of the end of being championship organization from LAH, LAFC, to the Dodgers, to the, to the Sparks, to even the Lakers at some degree. I mean, how... Where does Mark Davis rank, and, and would Magic be able to help him in any way? That, thank you for the call, Lil Dicky. I appreciate you. And, and, yeah, I mean, I have no problem speaking on that. Um, you know, Magic Johnson, we talked about that. We had uh, our, our guy Mick Akers on from the RJ who actually had that story in the, in the Review Journal about Magic. And this is the thing. If he were to purchase any part share of the Raiders, it's a minority share. It's a very minority share, so there's not a whole lot that he's going to actually do, except for be the magic man, right? I mean, he'll attach his name to it as he's attached his name to multiple other things, right? I mean, he's the guy, he's the ultimate... Uh, I, I like to call him mayors, right? And look, we just finished with political season, right? He's the ultimate politician. He'll go out there, smile, shake hands, kiss babies. I'm really good at that. Magic is fantastic at that. He's probably the best of the best. No one can resist the magic smile, right? I mean, he's he's that guy. So he would be a very small minority share. I don't know how much, you know, if there's if any, and I don't think there would really be any kind of interaction as far as what Magic wants to do with the organization. Because I'll tell you this, as much as, you know, you rattled off the organizations that he was a part of that were uh, winners, like the Dodgers, he didn't have nothing to do with putting the Dodgers together. He didn't have nothing to do with putting the Dodgers together. He was just a guy who's part of the organization. And when he did have something to do with the Lakers, like when he was on the sidelines, they weren't very good. And when Jeannie Buss was listening to him, they weren't very good. Right, they were making a lot of bad decisions at that point. So, not to take anything away from him, because I, I, I'm a big Magic Johnson guy. I, I respect the hell out of him, but I think he's a very good businessman. And so, when it turns to Mark Davis, Mark Davis is a very good businessman, and he knows what he knows, and he also knows what he doesn't know, and that's what I respect about him. He is very comfortable in his own skin. He's very comfortable with who he is, and he's going to go out there and he's going to he's going to again do what he does. And he's not going to try to do what he doesn't do, which is the football side of things. That's why he's hired guys to be in the position to do the football operations. You know, be the be the guys that make all the decisions when it comes to personnel, when it comes to coaches, when it comes all that stuff. He's that guy. Yeah, he went and hired Dave Ziegler and he hired Josh McDaniels, but he had a lot of help. He had a lot of input. He didn't just you know go and cherry pick someone and say, hey, that's that's the guy I want right there. He had a lot of input from other folks that are football people, football guys. He said that from the moment he took over the organization. I know that there's nothing more than he wants than this Raiders organization to be a winner. I know that for a fact, and that's why he went and he gave the long-term deal to John Gruden because he wanted to have that continuity because what is everything that we've always said? Well, the Raiders cycle through coaches too much. They got to have one guy, and they've got to they've got to have a guy for a long time. And the coaches that are with them, the assistants have to have com- you know comfort that they're going to be there. They have to have job security. So he gave Gruden, 
a, a super long deal, an unprecedented one, right? He also gave the, the assistant coaches really good deals, so they had security. That's what he did to assist with the football guys that were going to go and build this team. Gruden had an image that he was going to do. He was going to build the team. We all know that it went off the rails. We know that there was a, bu- a bunch of failed draft picks, to be 100% honest about it, including one that just got waived yesterday, who's now in Green Bay. He's done everything he can on his side. Exactly, because going back to Lil Dicky's call, when it's like rank the owners, you only know Mark Davis because he is one of those more famous owners, but I don't think that name any franchise that isn't doing too well you know, like the owner doesn't get brought into it because he can only make his judgment and hire the people. Right. And, and you can say he's made some bad No one's hires. talking about Arthur Blank in, exactly. in Atlanta. Yeah, Nobody. Like, what's going Except on? Except for the fact that he has cheap cheap food at the uh, at the stadium, which is great, by the way. I do appreciate that. He does. <laughs> it, it does. His concession stands are, are, are cheap. The so, Chargers underachieving. What's Spano's doing? Like, is, he should No, that no, doesn't come up. And, and, and I also could appreciate this about Mark Davis. He's not Jerry Jones. So he's not holding a press conference after every game. Jerry Jones literally holds a press conference after every single game. It's right outside the locker room. When we go down to the locker room to go into the locker room and talk to the players, the ones that were actually on the field doing something, there's a scrum around Jerry Jones that's about 25 reporters deep and him giving his thoughts on the game. I don't need that. And and honestly, that shouldn't be his position. He also has a a weekly radio show on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Jerry Jones, the owner. I don't need that. I respect Jerry because he's a hell of a businessman, but I don't need that. I don't need a weekly radio show with the owner. So I can appreciate that Mark stays away from that side of things. He allows the football guys to be football guys. Just like when he hired the president, Sandra Douglas Morgan. She's on the business side of things. So they're doing stuff on the business side of things for the silver and black. Let's, you know, it's so quickly that everyone forgot all the great things that Mark has done, including having this beautiful stadium called Allegiant Stadium, having this beautiful state-of-the-art practice facility called the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He helped get all that together, right? I mean, as much as I love Oakland, let's, let's not act like, you know, it was the Taj Mahal. It wasn't. And people hit us up all the time and say, well, when does free agents want to go to, go to, the, to the Raiders? They, free agents want to go to the Raiders now. They didn't at one point because they didn't want to play in that practice field in Alameda. They didn't want to play in the dirt in Colise- at the Coliseum. They didn't want to have, you know, uh, cold water running through the showers. I mean, they, they didn't want to have the issues that they had as much. Again, as much as I love the Coliseum, I'm a Bay guy. Love Oakland. Never wanted the Raiders to move. But it is what it is. They have their beautiful home now. One of the best in the business. So as far as ranking the, the owners, I mean, I'm not going to go through all 32 of them. Hell, I don't even know all 32 exactly. of them. Exactly. Right? I mean, I really don't. I, really, I don't know all 32 of them, and that's actually how it should be. I don't need to know all the owners. I just know that this owner that has that team, as he put all the money into the Aces to help bring them a championship, he's trying to do the same thing with the Raiders. Make no mistake about that. If he was an owner that was up there and it was a hobby and he was just you know up for S's and giggles, he's not. But if he was, he wouldn't have poured all that money into the Aces. He wouldn't be building a facility next to the Raiders practice facility for the Aces. He wouldn't. He'd just be like, oh, this is cool. This is a nice write-off. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's literally there's owners that just, it's a hobby to them. It's not a hobby to them. It's a way of life. It's a lifestyle for them. 414 is the time. When we come back, we'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. I promise. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Mailman Raider hit us up. Q, Jeff Saturday went 6-5 and five at the high school level. He wasn't a world beater. Can't let him look you. Against McDaniels, world will be on fire in Raider Nation. Yep, you're right. Okay, they went 12 0. Right, right. That's a good point. That's a good point. 
That's like I need to call. Uh, I need to call Coach Stewart at Temple Temple uh, Temple High School in Temple, Texas. Hey, Coach, you think you could take over NFL team? Coach him up on Sunday. <laughs> He'd be like, "You, I'd like to think so, but no, <laughs> not a chance." Uh, one more quick text, then we'll get to some sound from uh, head coach Joshua Daniels, who met with the media earlier. Uh, L Train, aka Lawrence from Riverside, hit us up. AQ, I agree with Fargo. We need a Type A alpha dog. Ray Lewis type middle linebacker, quarterback in the defense, a generational talent that demands accountability from every player on the field. Enjoy your show, Q. Cheers. Um, that's that's man, that's been the conversation we've had for a while. And I, I don't know like what the plan is. I'm I'm not sitting down with Patrick Graham. We're not discussing uh the future. I'm not sitting down with Josh McDaniels. We're not discussing the future or Dave Ziegler for that. I, I don't I don't get privy to that. But I'll tell you what, if whatever the plan is. For the offseason and for, you know, the whatever they decide, you know, in free agency and the draft, and, and we'll have plenty of time, obviously, for those conversations. I mean, I, I would think if they're going to try to build this thing up the right way, they got offensive weapons, you got to get the defensive dudes. You know, you spend a lot of money on offense, so you probably have to get a lot of defensive dudes in the draft, but you got to get the dudes. They, they, I mean, simple as that. If you look at the issues, and I thought Amber Theo Harris, when we talked to her earlier today, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, she said straight up, right? I love how she broke it down. We're talking about shutdown corners. We're talking about getting to the quarterbacks. She went down. She took it a step further. She said, you know what, Q? They struggle to tackle. The Raiders struggle to tackle right now. They need guys that can tackle. Too many missed tackles out there. And, man, if that's not spot on, I don't know what is. The defense need, and that's why Blake Martinez is getting as much burn as he is. You know why? The one thing he is, a short tackler. He's not great in coverage. I know there's plenty of YouTubers out there that were like, oh, this guy's going to be a great guy and he can, he can cover the tight end. No, that's not his thing. He's a really good tackler. Really good short tackler. And that's what he's been showing the last few games. Is he the fastest dude out there? No. Is he going to go sideline to sideline? Nah, not so much. But he's going to get there. He's going to make a play. He's going to tackle. And you're not going to get away from him. That's it's, it's fundamental. And, and this is taking Amber's words. As fundamental as that sounds, it's spot on true what they need. Uh, thank you so much for that text, uh, L-Train. I do appreciate you. Now, I want to get into some sound as we start to turn the page to the Indianapolis Colts. And we have Adam Hill coming up at 430. Uh, we started to turn the page and really d- deep dove today uh, as we had Matt Taylor on earlier today, the, the voice of the, the Colts, the play-by-play voice. So the team did, too. And so when uh, head coach Josh McDaniels, he walked into the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, I mean, he got right to it. Jumped right into the conversation about turning the page and getting on to Indianapolis. We're on to Indy. Um, and I know there's been some changes there uh, in the last few days, but um, like we talked to our football team about today, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot to sink our teeth into here. Um, they got a lot of good players, um, you know, and on all three phases, I'd say, and then you know, expecting or assuming Taylor will be back offensively. Uh, obviously, a a really important guy for us to be able to bottle up and try to stop, which is very difficult. Uh, nobody's been better than he has the last few years. Offensively, um, you know, the uh, the big skill guys they have offensively have all uh, contributed, made plays. Pierce, the young rookie receiver, uh, we we watched him this morning. Has obviously made a lot of significant plays for them. The defense. One of the top defenses in the league, clearly impactful players at all three levels. The defensive front um, probably as good as we'll see uh, from top to bottom uh, throughout the course of the year. Uh, disruptive inside, uh, lead the league in tackles for loss. 
certainly a good pass rush, especially if you're playing from, you know, long yardage or behind. Uh, this team can really get after the passer. Um, you know, and Gus has always done a really good job of preaching, going after the ball, which you can see that on tape. It jumps out on you. Uh, added Gilmore uh, to Kenny Moore, so they got a couple Pro Bowl corners there on defense. The linebacking core is fast, uh, athletic, and that's not even including Leonard playing as much as he has in the past. I know he's working his way back. Um, and then they're good in the kicking game. You know, two good returners. Punter's been excellent at putting people uh, down, down in the ball inside the 10-yard line. Um, you know, they don't, they, they don't commit a lot of uh, penalties in the kicking game, which they usually end up winning the field position battle week in and week out. So, um, you know, this is a team second in the division now, been in a ton of close games, um, you know, had one tie and, and a bunch that were right there at the end where they could have won or lost them. So um, <clears throat> excited to obviously be back home after the trip down south, um, you know, and, and get back home and, and uh, really get ready for this one. Head coach Josh Bajanos right there, just opening up, uh, talking about Indy right there, pretty detailed, talking all elements of the game, offensive, defense, and special teams. And that's the thing about it when it comes to the Colts, man. As much as I keep saying that they have no business winning this game, they're in second place in their division, right? I mean, they're still in the thick of things, even though they're not a very good team, but they're literally in second place still. I mean, it's a real tough division, actually. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a division where you never know what's going to happen week to week, but they're still they still got plenty to play for. I mean, it's not like they're just, you know, one of those teams that you look at and they're like, oh, they stink. They're going to try to get the top two, top three picks in the in the draft. They they are actually still playing for something. There's a chance if they win a couple games in the rest of their division, which there's a good chance, could lose their games. I mean, they're sitting there in first place, and, and they don't even know who the hell's calling plays. Hey, let's pump the brakes on that one. But uh, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're right there, though. Because one thing I will ba- say— Okay, look, as bad as the Raiders have been, would they not want to be in that position that they're in right now? Oh, of course. Okay, then. <laughs> okay, simple. You should say get first place in the division, though. I'm saying, hey man, come on. There's still a clear, a clear, clear cut front runner there. I mean, how That's far? All. How far behind are they? Not that far. So I said, a couple wins for them, a couple losses for the rest of the division. They could be sitting there in first place. As as sad as that sounds, they could. What's been their strength of their team? The defense. Led by Gus Bradley. We know Gus Bradley very well from his time here in Las Vegas. Obviously, he's been in the league as a defensive coordinator for a very long time. So here's Josh McDaniels talking about the challenge of facing a Gus Bradley-led defense. Obviously, he's been doing it for a long time and very well. Um, It's a big challenge because uh, they're so connected. They know exactly what they're going to do. It's not an overly... Uh, complicated team. They don't need to be, you know. They they let the players go out there and do their thing, and they got like I said, they got disruptive guys at all three levels. So, um, it, you know, it, it's it's one of those teams where you see you you can get kind of mesmerized by saying they don't do a lot, but they do it so damn well that there's not that many opportunities, you know, and so. Uh, we talked to the offense this morning about that. Like, don't don't get you know into some false sense of well, we know what it's going to be on every play. You might know what it is, but you still got to do something productive, and you got to win your one-on-one matchups. And so, um, it'll be a big challenge. It always has been with him, you know. And again, if you if you if you're not taking care of the football on every play, then you're going to make you know you're going to create problems for yourself. And uh, they do as good a job of going after it as anybody. There you go. There's uh, Coach Gus, uh, Coach Gus Bradley, Josh McDaniels talking about Gus Bradley's led defense there in in, uh, in Indianapolis, and, and they do do a good job. You know, they've only given up 183 points. Excuse me, this uh, this season. So uh, now the problem is they're only scoring 132. So I mean, that's a big point differential. But I mean, their defense isn't isn't awful. 
You know, I mean, it, it's actually really good. It's the strength of their defense. Uh, you know, as you look at the Raiders' defense, they've given up 201 points this year. 201. So, obviously, it's a lot better. And matter of fact, the Raiders have, they've only scored 183. So, there you go. Uh, they're they're on par, par to score what they score, right? They're on par to, to average what they average uh, offensively. Uh, that's basically what the Colts give up is what the Raiders have scored this season. So, uh, the one element that's that's a tough one to figure out only because he has very little game film, that's quarterback Sam Ellinger. Right, he's a guy that that has taken over the starting spot for Matt Ryan. He's a, a late round pick. Uh, he was really good at college. Everyone loved him at UT, but this is not college. This is not the Big Twelve. Right, this is the NFL, and things are a lot different. And he just doesn't have a whole lot of experience. We talked to Matt Taylor about him. Uh, they like him a lot there in Indy, but he's got a lot to prove. And he's also a guy that got sacked nine times last week by the New England Patriots. So here's Coach McDaniels talking about scouting Sam Ellinger back at his college tape, you know, and even scouting him back when uh, he was coming out in the draft, even though they weren't looking to draft him, still trying to get familiar with Sam Ellinger. It's a great example of uh, one of the things that we, we certainly talk a lot about when we value the scouting process in the offseason. And a lot of people will say, you know, well, you're, you know, you're not evaluating so-and-so and so-and-so because you won't have a chance to get them or whatever, uh, or you guys don't need this player at this point in time. When you go through the draft process and every you have every opportunity to watch all these guys, learn about them, you know, do all your research at the combine, at the school, get all the scouts information, go through the draft process as if you were going to draft all of them. Because at some point or other, you're either going to play against them or you may have another opportunity to add them to your football team two, three, four years down the road. And now you have a lot more information about the person. In many ways, you have a relationship with them. I don't have one with Sam, but um, again, certainly did a lot of work on those guys when, when he was coming out. Um, you know, know some things about him, certainly as a football player that you can share with your team now. Um, you know, tough kid, uh, obviously had a very good college football career, can do some things with his legs, gritty, smart. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of positives to his game. So, um, you know, earned an opportunity and uh, I'm sure he's excited to have this opportunity to play now. And, um, you know, we'll see how we do this week against him. I'll tell you right now, that might be the area of concern when it comes to Sam Ellinger and and what he brings to the table is the fact that he can run. He's a guy that will definitely use his legs to uh, to extend plays if if he has an opportunity to. Now, he didn't really have an opportunity to do that uh, last week against New England when they got to him nine times. But, man, if there's nothing there, he'll take off and go. That's the one thing I know for a fact is that he'll take off and go. And a lot of times when he was at UT, he was their best offensive weapon. And when I say that, I mean with his arm and with his legs. So he'll, he'll get after it, and he'll run. And we all know that the Raiders have struggled to stop quarterbacks, even going back to last week. Trevor Lawrence, you know, he didn't just run all over the yard. He didn't, you know, go for 100-plus yards or anything. But he picked up first downs when he needed to, and he did it with his legs, something that, you know, a lot of folks have called in and said we'd like to see Derek Carr do. You know, JT, myself, we talked about like to see Derek Carr run a little bit because uh, he just doesn't do it. Well, Sam Ellinger will do it. If he's given the opportunity, he'll do it. And he'll pick up that first down and more. So that's definitely something to pay attention to, something to be concerned about. Uh, I thought this was interesting, and then we'll take a break because we do got to get to Adam Hill, who's at the Raider facility, and we'll ask him if I can find it. Here it is right here. Tashawn Reed just tweeted out this, uh, talking about – no, that's not it. See, now I'm not going to be able to find it. So – uh, yeah, I'll just get to it. I'll get to it next. <laughs> How about that? Uh, it was a tweet of, that Jermaine Illuminor said about the offense that I thought was very interesting about them getting complacent, but I can't find it right now, so I'll find it in just a second. You want me to, uh, I pulled it up. Oh, okay, go for it. Okay, this is from Tashawn Reed at Tashawn Reed on Twitter. Jermaine Illuminor on Raiders' offensive inconsistencies. 
were maybe just a little bit complacent, but then also not executing the game plan as we need to as a unit. We just need to be consistent when it comes to the game plan and doing what we need to do. There you go. Right there. Little complacent. You know, not executing the game plan. That's stuff that we, you know, we've talked about, especially on the execution side of things, but a little complacent when they, you know, get a lead, feel good about themselves, and then kind of take their foot off the gas. That's a concern. That's something that can't happen. You cannot get complacent, especially in the NFL, because you do that, you look up, and your lunch money's been stolen. Simple as that. You cannot keep allowing your lunch money to get stolen. Coming up next, Adam Hill. He'll talk about the lunch money and then some here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Should be uh, joined by Adam Hill from the RJ any minute now here on Unnecessary Roughness. Radio Nation Radio 920. He's been at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Raider HQ all day. Met with uh, head coach Josh McDaniels around 1030. No practice was around noon-ish or whatever. That was at least a little bit of a window where... Uh, the media could check out what was going on out there. Then they had locker room access, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. And joining us now on the phone lines from the RJ is our good friend, Adam Hill. And Adam, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Uh, John Abram, we all know that he uh, was waived yesterday. He did not clear waivers. The Packers ended up picking him up, reuniting him with uh, Rich Basaccia and a few other cats that were former Raiders that are now there. Uh, what do you think? What did you think about the, the, the pickup by the Packers with uh, John Abram? Uh, it was interesting. I mean, obviously, Rich Versace had to have had, you know, some say in that, and uh, I'm sure they went to him and asked about Jonathan and his character and uh, what he could bring. And, you know, he, he wasn't playing a lot of special teams early in this season, but he did play some special teams under Versace the last couple of years, so uh, that makes a lot of sense. I'll tell you this, uh, Cleef Furl, who, you know, I remember, and I think a lot of people that are Raiders fans remember, was featured in, like, the opening scene of Hard Knocks in 2019, with Jonathan Abram, like they were, they've been tied ever since they first came to the Raiders. Uh, I was talking to him about losing Abram, and he just said, "Like, look, I know he's going to go on to have success. He's going to go somewhere." And I told him, "I said, well, he actually he is going to the Packers. He didn't know yet." Oh, and he he was like, "Oh, that's amazing! Him and Rich back together. That's very cool." Like he got very excited about that, so he thought it was a good matchup. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good matchup as well, right? As soon as I saw that, I know Keyshawn Nixon is there. Uh, I know there's others that are there, and, of course, Rich Passaccia. So uh, at least for the rest of the season, you know, that could be a good little spot for John Abram. Let me ask you this, Adam, because you, I mean, you you got your finger on the pulse of what the Raiders got going on. What do you think went wrong for John Abram just with the Raiders in general? Well, first of all, can Abram play receiver? Because that would make a lot of sense for the Packers. <laughs> that, that, would, that would help. Um, look, I... I Jonathan Abram had high expectations, of course, because of where you're picked. And I think a lot of times, you know, it's very good for you to get picked in the first round uh, for any player because of the financial benefits of that and, and how, how you get paid uh, as on your rookie deal. But uh, it also carries expectations. I think Cleef Earl's kind of a victim of that. Like, Cleef Earl's been a good player mm-hmm. for the Raiders. But because of where he was picked, the expectations are through the roof. And sometimes, sometimes hey, you're a good player, you're not a superstar player. And people hold that against you because of where you're picked. Like, that happens all the time. Uh, and I think in Jonathan Abrams' case, he had some good, some bad. I think very unfortunately for him, he really seemed comfortable right, right when he started his career. Uh, and after getting hurt that rookie year, uh, that certainly derailed what he wanted to do. Uh, so you have a rookie year where you're hurt the entire season uh, after you have expectations. Your second year is, is a COVID year, which, let's face it, was – very detrimental to a lot of people's development in the NFL. Uh, and then he just never kind of found it. And, and for whatever reason, um, I think he was miscast a lot of times. I think, you know, they, they asked him to cover 
people where he really it's really not something he can do very well, and they put him in tough spots. I thought last year he was okay. Uh, Gus Bradley put him in better positions, and I think last year was where you kind of saw like, okay, Abram has something uh, when you put him in the right spots, and he didn't really fit this defense very well. And you know, I kind of alluded to it in a, in a tweet yesterday, but you know, people that are around here every day kind of see that Jonathan Abram is not the he's not the most welcoming person in the locker room, let's say. Right. And maybe yep. maybe as you know, as the losing built up, you know, maybe some of his antics isn't the right word, but you know, some of his attitude in the locker room may have not rubbed everybody the right way uh, in the organization when the losses are building up. And you know, if you're not playing well on the field, a lot of that stuff isn't as tolerated. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Again, Adam Hill's our guest from uh, the RJ and also uh, our sister station ESPN Las Vegas, part of Cofield and Company. So you were in the locker room. You were around the players. Uh, what was kind of the tone? What was kind of the vibe around the guys? You mentioned talking to Cleve Furrow, but look, they're coming off a tough loss, one that they had no business losing, but they did. And and now they got a team coming in in the Colts, which I don't think they have any business losing to them. But we all know it's not about what I think. It's about what they do on the field. So what was kind of the tone with the players? I mean, could you imagine if they lose this game? Man, man, no, no, I can't. Please don't put that into the atmosphere, please. It's, it's. I don't think they can. I don't think they can possibly oh, that you can play this back next week. Make this a rejoin tomorrow next week. I don't think there's any way they can lose this game. I just don't. Like if they, if there's a team in a worse spot than them, you know, mentally and and how the season has gone, it has to be the Colts and. That thing seems like it's in total disarray. So I, I don't think they can lose. I think they absolutely win this week, and I think they feel that. I think, you know, look, they put, they basically have put themselves in a position where they have to win out, right? But you can't think about that. You can't think about every game the rest of the year. You have to think about the game that's ahead of you. And I think that there's a, uh, there's a little bit of a belief. There's a little bit maybe a bounce in their step of like, all right, we're not losing this game. We're going to win this game. And then the attitude starts to change, right? I mean, Every week you see it. If it's a, it's a win, it's a great attitude. If it's a loss, it's a bad attitude. And I think that's feeling like, all right, we're going to win this game. Next week will be a little bit better. And we'll, we'll really be you know, excited going to that Denver game, another division rivalry. And then, hey, we win that. That's two in a row. It's a winning streak. And now you never know what happens. So I think there is that like, optimism of, hey, they're winning this week, and let's see where that goes. Now, I will say this. That's a dangerous attitude because if you lose it, <laughs> it goes even worse. Uh, but I think that's kind of the feeling right now of like, hey, we're going to win this week, and then let's just go from there. You guys been in the locker room today. Did you talk to any of the players about the situation in Indy specifically? Yeah, I mean, if people are being careful, nobody wants to put those bulletin board material quotes up there, right? Like, you don't want to have you don't have a quote saying like, hey, the Raiders look horrible, and then coach the Colts, right? Uh, <laughs> you don't want to have a you don't want to have a, a quote that says, oh, the Colts are in disarray; they're a joke right now. The guys never even called plays. What are they going to do? and then lose, and then have that come back to haunt you. So I think everybody's being very careful, but I think everybody kind of understands the situation of, hey, that is a mess. That's a train wreck over there. Like, this is going, and this is spiraling, and, you know, let's, I think the attitude is let's help them spiral even further, uh, and let's get that done. But I don't think anybody wants to directly say it, but I think you can tell the attitude of, hey, look, this is a team that's in a worse spot than us. Let's go ahead and take care of this. Yeah, the coach, they are in a bad spot, but the defense has been like the best part of the team. So this Raiders offense, with the inconsistencies that they've had, Deshaun Reed put out the tweet from Jermaine Illuminor saying that they they get complacent when they get the big lead. What do you think that this Raiders offense is going to have to do to, I'll say it, overcome this coach defense? Because, you know, they're pre- they've been pretty good this season. Yeah, I, I feel like, first of all, you don't know that you're going to get a big lead for sure. 
and you don't expect to blow a big lead if you do get it, even if you've done it a couple of times. But I think, you know, I think they'll be able to jump out on them early uh, as the Colts try to figure some things out with the new coaching staff and everything. So I think the Raiders are going to lead, and I, I don't think they're going to squander a big lead in this game, not necessarily because they're going to do anything differently, but I think the Colts are in a situation where if you put them, if you put them in a hole, they are going to not dig their way out of it. Like I, I think mm-hmm. they're they're in a mental state of if they're down, it's over. And I, I feel like that's kind of the that's kind of the approach and the mindset of hey, we're not going to blow a lead against this team because this team will will quit. Unlike the other teams that have fallen apart, and not that the not that the Colts are quitters. I'm not suggesting that. Right, right. But just because of the mindset that they have right now of hey, we've got a new coach that's never done this before. We've got an offensive play caller that's never done this before. Uh, we are we are a total mess right now. Uh, and you, you put them in a hole, and then they start doubting themselves. And I think that's probably the approach that the Raiders are trying to take. Another player I want to ask you about, Sidney Jones, the new acquisition from Seattle. Did you guys get to talk to him in the locker room today? Yeah, I did. I talked to him, and um, I asked him the question, and he kind of looked, you know, kind of stared right through me when I asked it. Not, not angry, just like I think he was just kind of pondering his situation of, hey, you were on a team that all the expectations were that were going to be terrible that they were going to be tanking and they were going to try to get the first draft pick and they're right in the mix in the midst of a playoff run. And now you're going to a team that was supposed to go to the playoffs and had high expectations and has one of the worst records in the league. Like how, how do you prepare yourself mentally to, to make that switch of exceeding expectations to being in a place where they're, you know, below expectations. And he, he gave, he gave the, the right answer, the right the answer you're supposed to give of, Hey, I'm, I'm here to play football. I'm here to do what I'm doing. I'm here to help this team. And, I'm here to you know bring you know a, a you know a little bit of energy and a little jolt and go out and do my thing and help them out. But I think you can tell he just kind of is still looking around like what happened? Uh, how did I get how did I get myself in this spot? But look, guys are out there to play football. It's a team game, but guys are still playing. You know, just to to show what they can do to to make that next contract. Like that that's what your job is. So um, I, I think it's probably tough to not have that same motivation and that same kind of ride that energy wave, but. Uh, at the same time, I think he's here to do his job, and he's a veteran, and he's been there before, and he's very capable, and I think he understands that. Adam Hill is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness, you can catch Adam on uh, Cofield and Company on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas, and of course, writes for the RJ, does a fantastic job. So uh, one thing that Josh McDaniel said to us earlier today was that he thinks that Darren Waller was going to be uh, out there on the practice field and we'd see him. Well, I saw on the practice, on the on the uh, injury report, he was limited, but I ne- never saw any pictures from anyone uh, of Darren Waller out in the practice field. So what did you see from Waller? Did you see Waller? Is that what Josh McDaniel said, or did Josh McDaniel say, we're in the same boat, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought there was like five different one-line quotes. That's true, that's true. In uh, Josh McDaniel's quote that kind of uh, kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit. Um, look, Darren said after practice, he was out there, he was on the field, um, and he said after practice, you know, it doesn't make any sense to go out there under 100% and potentially blow, blow my hamstring and not play the rest of the year. Because then, what good do I do? I right. mean, it, it, for me, from from just a logistical sense, all of those things like it makes a ton of sense. Like that's correct, right? Why why would you do this? Now I know what the fans think and how they feel. And every week you're close, and you think you're close, and you're going to play. And hey, if you're you're eighty percent, you're getting paid to go out there and play. But if he then gets hurt and shut down for the year, then you don't have him at all. So what? Like is that is that what you want? You want him to risk that? I I don't think that's right. And you know, Josh McDaniel said the same thing. He said, we want him to be 100%. We want him to play. When he comes back, we want to have him for the rest of the year. And we want that to be at 100% to go. And 
look, I'm sure in Josh McDaniel's mind, he's thinking the same thing. I need you on the field. Like, we're not, we're not paying you to rehab. We're paying you to play. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, Darren Waller deep down wants that too. But it doesn't make any sense to not be 100% when you come back on the field, especially with that kind of an injury that is very, very susceptible to happening again. Like, these things do happen if you're not 100% and you go out there. And uh, as Josh McDaniel said, like, Darren Waller's game is to run away from people. And if you have a bad hamstring, you're really not going to do that anyway. So you're not really helping that much if you're out there and not at 100%. Adam Hills, our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now, Adam, before the season got started, before the acquisition of Devontae Adams, as a matter of fact, uh, you were all Team Tank. You were like, hey, just do as bad as you can, get a really good high draft pick and rebuild this thing. And by the time the Chiefs are kind of you know dropping off a little bit, the Chargers dropping off a little bit, Denver's dropping off a little bit, the Raiders could be right there. Obviously, that's not what they did. Now they're sitting there at 2-6. and six. There's nine games left on the schedule what do you think that this front office Dave Ziegler Champ Kelly and even Josh McDaniels needs to see from these group of men that are going to take the field on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium what do you think that they need to see from these guys the final nine games I mean you're looking for who who competes right who keeps fighting uh who who digs deep and scraps and and fights and claws even when the you know the chips are stacked against you and you know it looks like the season is kind of over and who who wants to be a part of this who wants to be a part of building it and um, trying to make things better. Like, I think that's what you're looking for with a lot of these guys. And obviously you have a ma- massive decision to make uh, with a quarterback uh, that is, you know, kind of is under contract, but kind of isn't. Right. Uh, so I think you're, you're wanting to see what he does, not just from throwing the ball, but leading the team. And, you know, does he, does he come out or does he, you know, encourage these guys and is he the one that gets them back on track? And I think you want to see all those things. And that's what they're going to be watching for. Um, you're right. I was team tank from day one. Uh, I, if it was me, I would be telling, you know, AJ Cole is playing quarterback and, uh, Daniel Carlson, you want to play some running back? We need to lose games here. So, although I think AJ Cole can throw the ball, so maybe they'd win, uh, you know, they'd be able to still win a game if he was playing quarterback. But, um, no, I I mean, I'm kidding, but I I would be, I would be tanking. I would be in an all out tank. And I I think if you have Derek Carr and Devontae Adams on the field, it's going to be tough to fully tank because they're too good. I know the record doesn't suggest it, but they're really good players. So, uh, I would be benching everyone, but I know that's not what they're going to do. They want to they want to see this team keep going. And by the way, they're still mathematically alive. I mean, I know a lot of us are writing the obituary in the season, but um, they could have gone a run, and that's something Josh McDaniels talked about. It's in the it's in these guys' DNA because a lot of them were here last year when that happened. The everything looked like it was going in the wrong direction. They went on a winning streak and made the playoffs. So they think they can do it. I still think last year was kind of fool's gold, and this group came in and said, "Hey, they found gold. Let's let's keep let's keep digging here." Like, this is a good spot. They found some gold, but I, I think it was fool's gold, and it may have set them back a little bit in what is going to, at some point, be a rebuilding situation. You know, every once in a while, I hit that triple-double diamond, right? And I feel like, hey, yep. the machine is hot, baby! Yep. <laughs> He's feeding those quarters. Let's go. <laughs> yes, sir. I love it. I love it. Well, Adam, before we let you go, let me ask you this. We've been asking the question all day. Defensively, we know the Raiders aren't where they need to be. Really, the one guy that stands out the most is obviously going to be Max Crosby. But uh, for this team moving forward defensively, for Patrick Graham to have a chance to succeed with what he wants to do, what do you think the Raiders need the most? What kind of what kind of player not necessarily a player but like what position do you think that they need to address the most defensively uh well i mean can, can we just count getting nate hobbs back that's that's a good yeah that's a good point like, that that's a big one i mean i i think i think the defense has looked completely different since nate hobbs has been gone i i fully believe nate hobbs is a top 10 cornerback in the league maybe even higher than that i think he's a, a legit bona fide superstar and to not have him is a huge loss 
Um, so uh, can, can we say, what do they need? They need a Nate Hobbs-type player. Yeah. So either he needs to get back or, or uh, they need to find somebody else to step up into that role. But um, I, I think they're missing that. And, and when you have a guy that can lock down one side of the field, it opens up everything else for everybody else. And um, I, I think they're missing that right now. My, uh, my key was uh, they, at some point they need to get a, a big-time defensive tackle that can move the pocket. You know what I mean? That they can collapse that pocket because they just haven't had one in years. Yeah, and I think – Look, they they've got some they've got some decent talent at linebacker. I don't know that the linebackers necessarily fit what they want to do all the time. Um, they need a linebacker that can cover a tight end and a, and a running back potentially. That's that's been a recurring theme for this team. Yep, yep, exactly. It's so funny. We hit on basically everything that uh, Raider Nation's been calling in, talking about the corner, talking about the defensive tackles, and talking about linebackers. So that's really, uh, I mean, every element of the defense, every <laughs> every area of the defense has been addressed by Raider Nation and and now Adam Hill as well. Well, Adam, uh, what do you got coming up on uh, in the RJ that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, stuff all week. I read about Devontae Adams talking about, uh, hey, let's, look, let's let's start forcing the ball if we have to. Uh, this is just, I'm here to make plays, throw me the ball, let me, let me make some plays. Uh, that was interesting. And um, a, a lot of stuff all throughout the week in the Review Journal, obviously the special section every Sunday. And uh, I will say, I'm standing outside to do this. It is freezing, and I blame Sidney Jones. I said he brought this from Seattle. He clearly <laughs> did. This is insane. <laughs> it is cold outside. One more thing while you're standing out in the cold. It is Fresno State UNLV week. Was there any trash talk between Carr and Adams and, and any of the UNLV guys like yourself and Paul? A little bit, uh, Derek, of course. I wear a UNLV hat almost every day, uh, but uh, Derek came over and kind of commented on it and said, oh, big one Friday, huh? Everybody's ready for it. Everybody's, uh, everybody's aware of it. Allegiant Stadium taken over by the college game in Fresno and UNLV. Rivalry week, Devontae and Derek. And uh, Derek said he thinks he's going to be there. He's not 100% sure he has some other things going on. So uh, it would be great if we see Derek and Devontae out there supporting their team against the, uh, the hometown Rebels. There you go. Well, Adam, fantastic stuff, man. Thanks for standing out in the cold for us. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right, there he goes. Adam Hill from the RJ, braving the cold, and it is cold outside. What? Hey, look, I'll tell you one thing. It went from it – didn't, it didn't have no, like, gradual drop-off. It just went from, oh, it's hot, it's hot, it's hot. Oh, damn, it's cold, right? It's cold, it's rainy. I saw pictures earlier of Summerlin where it was snowing. It was 55 and snowing in Summerlin. You serious? Like, I don't want to go to the house tonight and all of a sudden there'll be snow. Like, the wife would be like, husband, it's snowing. Because the wife would be <laughs> the wife will be like, let's go outside and play in the snow. And I'm like, no, let's not. It's cold, right? Let me get, matter of fact, close the door because you're letting the heat out. That's that's me. <laughs> the wife is like, oh, it's cool. It's cute. Let's go do this. No. The no. worst place you want to be is on the road when the snow sticks in Vegas. Man, the worst place you want to be in Vegas, period, is on the road. <laughs> Ain't nobody worth the salt on the road in Vegas. I'll tell you that. Look, I love being here. Uh, someone asked me. Matter of fact, Lee Sterling, I was talking to him this morning. He'll join us on Friday. He was asking me this morning. He said, hey, Q, you've been there almost two years now. How, 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 how much do you like it? I said, oh, I love it. But I'll tell you what, man, I don't love the roadways. I don't love nothing to do with the road. In Las Vegas, man, because can't nobody do anything correct on the road in Vegas. But, uh, yeah, man, the weather is is something crazy. It's been real windy. It's been real cold. But uh, the good thing about Allegiant Stadium on Friday when Fresno State visits, it's inside. Good thing about Sunday at Allegiant Stadium when the Colts visit, it's inside. So we'll be there covering it like a glove. Of course, we have plenty more uh, where all of this came from on tomorrow's show. Very excited about tomorrow's show. Uh, Friday will be at Buffalo Wild Wings on uh, West Flamingo and 
Uh, Wallapai. That's how you say it, huh? Wallapai. I'm working on it. Wallapai. No, it's not. It's Wallapai. The H is silent. You Uh-oh. better check your record. Okay. Check your record, bro. Okay. Check your record, bro. Okay. <laughs> Cassie Soto drilled me today when I was at the uh, when I was at the practice facility. She said, "How do you say the name?" I said, "Wallapai." She said, "That's right, Wallapai. Get it right." I'm telling you. I had that H all the time. No, no. Well, you you say it. You add a lot of things. A lot of things, and you're wrong. It's Radio, not twenty.